Welcome to Wake Up to the Word Old Testament Thursday. This is going to be awesome. We have so much stuff for you. I don't even know if I will be able to pack it in to the 30 minutes that we have. It's just not fair um, that uh, we may have to go overtime. So some buzzer beaters we might have going on, but we're going to give it our best try. So the coffee for the week is I'm back to Pete's Coffee. This is... uh, Dominican Cafe, medium roast coffee, drip coffee, very good. Um, like I said, it's a medium roast, this Pete's coffee, but it it is it has a boldness to it. It's not it's not harsh. It's it's very smooth, but it it has a boldness even though it's a medium roast. So I like it. I'm liking the Pete's coffee. Very good stuff. So we'll just keep that right there. I hope you've been following along, and uh, if you uh, are looking for uh, where I talk about my stack of stuff, which is uh, right here, my stack of stuff, we uh, have that on wakeuptotheword.org, and you can go there, and there's links there to the Spotify podcast, and there's links to Jeff's stack of stuff. If you want to know where Jeff's stack of stuff is, go to the bottom of the website on the left you'll see the bald guy holding a whole bunch of papers that's me just click on jeff's stack of stuff and you can have access to anything any documents any links that i use uh, i will try and put there for you to access on your own because my heart and my hope is not that you get spoon-fed information but that you check this information for yourself most importantly, in the Word of God. But then secondly, you have reliable sources that you can go to to double-check things, to to not just check on me, which I do want you to do, but also to check on other teachers who might be sharing and saying things and teaching things from the Word of God. And we want to be able to, like the Bereans, check what they're saying, to read for themselves, read for yourselves the truth and what is the truth. All right, so where are we in the Old Testament? We are finishing up Job. Finishing up Job and uh, 42, excuse me, 40, 41, and 42. So I hope you read through there because there is some cool stuff going on there in Job. Trying to get myself situated here. Um, So... uh, as you see God's responding, and this is a continuation of God's response, uh, Job has a little bit of uh, uh, return, a couple of verses there, right at verse 40. Um, <clears throat> but then God continues in his uh, tirade, um, I, sh- I shouldn't say tirade, his challenge to Job. And uh, one of my favorites in all of Scripture is right here in Job 40, and we get down to Verse 15, and remember when we were in 39 and 38, God was going through all of these things that he was telling Job to, um, have you com- have you considered, have you commanded, have you entered, have you, uh, have you seen, uh, all of these things, and he's saying actual things, actual physical things created things whether it's donkeys or mountains or ostriches or horses all actual beings and then he gets to 40 
in, in verse uh, uh, 15, and he says, Behold behemoth which I made for you. He eats grass like an ox. Behold, his strength is in his loins and his power in his muscles, in the muscles of his belly. He makes his tail stiff like a cedar. The sinews of his thighs are knit together. His bones are like tubes of bronze. His limbs like bars of iron. Later on, it says, uh, under the lotus plants he lies, in the shelter of the reeds and in the marsh. For his shade, the lotus trees cover him. The willows of the brook surround him. So this is an animal that is a large, big. Uh, he's got a big belly. He's got a tail that's the size of a tree, a cedar tree. <clears throat> And so his strength is in his loins is that that's his, his, his basically his back legs have great power and his, his thighs are knit together. His bo bones, excuse me, are like tubes of bronze. So his limbs are like bars of iron. It's like you can't get through them. They're so thick and tough and hard. <clears throat> this is not describing any animal that we know of today, except for uh, fossils that we found that are dinosaurs, that are large animals, that are, to have a tree like a cedar, we're talking about something like a Brachiosaurus that spends both time on land eating grass, but also in the marsh where the water would would uh, be a relief for him to stand in the water and uh, the wouldn't feel the weight <clears throat> as much but this sounds like a some kind of brachiosaur uh, something large like that so that's what this seems to be describing and then uh go on um he talks about starting at 41 can you draw out leviathan with a fish hook or press down his tongue with a cord. So this is some kind of a uh, an aquatic creature, uh, a sea creature. Uh, but he, if you go down farther uh, on 41, in chapter 41, his back is made of rows of shields shut up closely as with a seal. And then 18, his sneezing, or kneezing as the word actually is, flash forth light, and his eyes are like the eyelids of the dawn. Out of his mouth go flaming torches, sparks of fire leap forth. Out of his nostrils comes forth smoke. This is a fire-breathing, water-living dragon. Uh, there's no other way to describe this. Now, I've heard some Bible teachers talk about these two animals as being mythical. And this is the reason why I contextually went back to 38 and 39, where he's walking through all of these both animals and formations of land, but lots of animals. He talks about eagles. He talks about ostriches. He talks about donkeys. He talks about all kinds of animals. And they are literal animals literal creatures that walk the earth and so now he comes to 41 and 42 and all of a sudden he's going to switch it to mythical creatures but he says behold and look 
and, and, and gaze at. So he's, he's telling Job, these animals lived while Job was alive. And Job was alive, whether you put him early or late, he lived between the time of the flood and Abraham. So Job walked with dinosaurs. And so dinosaurs are in the Bible. At least two types of dinosaurs are in the Bible, and they have names, Behemoth and Leviathan. And so Leviathan is actually mentioned in other portions of Scripture, which we'll see as we continue to go on. And then we get to uh, the Lord. Uh, uh, then Job answers the Lord. This is 42. Job answers the Lord, uh, his confession and repentance. Um, uh, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear, and I will hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you make it known to me. I I had heard of you by the hearing of the of the ear, but now my eyes see, my eye sees you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. So God just expresses his full greatness to Job. And now Job just says, I have, even though I, I, I know in my heart I've done nothing wrong, I yield to you. It doesn't matter whether I did something or I didn't do something. Here's what matters. You. You're the one that matters. And I bow in repentance. Uh, and uh, and uh, I don't look at myself in any righteous way at all. So after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz and Temanite, my anger burns against you. For you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. So basically, the Lord looked at his friends and said, you're fired. You're fired as friends. Now, therefore, take seven bulls and seven rams, and he gives them this sacrifice that they need to do for repentance. But they yield to that, and they go. So they're not really fired. They just got a suspension. So, uh, And now God restores everything to Job twice as much as he had before. I'm really rich. And Job could say that again, that I am really rich, just like uh, Donald Trump. So <laughs> he's probably, in comparison, uh, uh, dollar for dollar, culture for culture, Job's probably richer. So I'm really rich. Yeah, we could say that, but it, it's uh, uh, he wouldn't say that because he now has humility and understands his place. All right, so that's Job. We've wrapped up Job. And now we're going to continue on our Genesis journey. We're going to back up a little bit because we've already read 10, but I'm going to kind of give you a recap of 10. The, the nations descend from Noah, and we get this rundown from the sons of Japheth. That's eight, I mean, excuse me, two through five. Then the sons of Ham is six through 14. Oops, sorry. Um, 
six through come on, where where did it come up? Sons of Ham. Um lost my spot. Sorry about that. And so then there was the, the Sons of Japheth, which uh which come out uh, uh excuse me to Shem. Um so we got the Sons of Japheth at the beginning, Sons of Ham, Sons of Shem, which uh to Shem also the father of all the children of Eber, elder brothers. Yeah, so that's at 21. So we see all of those. And so we 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 walk through these uh these people, and a key one to note is the son of Ham, who is Cush, who is the father of Nimrod. And Nimrod was the first on the earth to be a mighty man. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. This is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. So he gets this little, this little, uh, uh, kind of a wink at him. He gets a, a little asterisk put next to him. And that's key in who Nimrod is, uh, because this mighty hunter, this, this Gibor, um, uh, kind of gets a, a, another inkling as we move forward. Um, so now we come to uh, 11, and uh, that's our reading, is 11 through uh, 16 is the reading. And, and 11, we're going to spend a lot of time here on 11. This is the Tower of Babel, and this is the third rebellion against God. Now, uh, for the longest time, I thought there was one rebellion against God. A lot of time in my biblical walk, I thought there was one rebellion against God, and that took place in chapter... Uh, three of Genesis, um, where the serpent, the fall comes, but the fall is the first rebellion. Okay, we may have mentioned that. And then there's a second rebellion, which took place in chapter six, when the sons of God came to the daughters of men and married them and had children by them. That's a second rebellion. The The first rebellion is... Um, is is a, uh, a a rebellion of uh, authority. Um, uh, the, the second rebellion is a genetic rebellion, as the sons of men come to the daughters, the sons of God come to the daughters of men. And now, as we re- we're going to read through the Tower of Babel, we have a third rebellion, and uh, this one is is one that is going to change everything the way that you look at the entire Old Testament, as well as some of the events of the New Testament. This is this third rebellion is one of the most pivotal rebellions in the Word of God, but we just look at it as a language issue, as a language thing. And this stops us from understanding the majority of the Old Testament. So this is pivotal. So I'm going to read a little bit from the beginning here so we get a a full understanding. So glasses on. Here we go. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar. Now understand the land of Shinar is that Mesopotamian area, uh, the Babylon area. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower 
with its top into the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves. Very key point. Oh, I didn't even grab my pen. And a name for ourselves. That's a, that is an incredibly important statement right there. And make a name for themselves. Lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible. Will now be impossible. So there's a key there. There's There's something distinct about right now. Come let us, again that us language, that plurality language, go down there and confuse their languages so that they may not understand one another. So, turn the page. So the Lord, and now a sing, now the singular language, and now the Lord dispersed them from, from there over the face of the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. So, this is important distinction, is that they wanted to make a name for themselves, and that is that same terminology, believe it or not, when we talk about Nimrod in the genealogies, that Nimrod was a mighty man, uh, and when it talks about the, the, uh, the, the... <clears throat> excuse me, the Nephilim, it says they were the mighty men, and it's translated in just about every other translation, just about every translation, men of renown. But the word is Sem, same as Shem, which means name, the men of the name, okay? So Nimrod is one of those mighty men, those, those Gibor, those is the, is the Hebrew, the Gibor, mighty mighty men. That Gibor word is also connected to the Nephilim, connected to the Raphaim and to the, to the uh, Hapkorah. It, that mighty men Gibor term is, is a word that is connected to the giants, okay? So it is quite possible that the either the descendants of Nimrod or Nimrod himself uh, was in that line of giants and that he was one of those influential people who uh, was part partially uh, genetically part of the Elohim, part uh, man, both man and God. And you can see where these myths would come from. You can see where the Greek mythology comes from. And especially coming out of Babylon, this place, this Shinar, this, this, this Babylonian, Mesopotamian area, plain, um, has all of these uh, rebellion features that come out of there. Babylon is forever labeled as an, an, a rebellious uh, a rebellious part of of who's rebelling against God. It's it's the it's it's part of the and it's always linked to this um, 
both the rebellion, the genetic rebellion, the sexual rebellion in, in Genesis 6, as well as this worship rebellion. They're not, they're not building just any tower. They're building a ziggurat type of tower. Uh, and this is a temple. And we talked about gardens and mountains, that these are places of worship. And uh, any kind of structure built in a pyramid type um, model and that's a ziggurat, uh, that pyramid-type model, whether it has stages or like the pyramids in Egypt, flat edges, it is a, a, a temple of sorts because it is, it is a mimicking a man-made mountain, a place of worship. Um, worship uh, mountains and gardens are always distinct within Scripture of worship. And people mimicking the worship of God would make um, counterfeit worship places of worship like ziggurats, like these false mountains and temples. That's what the Tower of Babel was. The rebellion wasn't just a building plan, wasn't just this this, uh, uh, vast building plan. It was their attempt to create a religion and gather all these people at this religious place and stay in one location to have a great name for themselves. Isn't that what religions do now? They try to gather the biggest place that they can when God's command is to go and multiply. Go and multiply. Go and fill the earth. So God's plan is, yes, for the local church. Yes, it's for the local church to gather, but so that they can spread the gospel, not to create great worship centers for themselves. It's okay to have a church building. It's okay to to have a, a, a place where uh, the gospel is being presented. It's okay to have a place where Jesus' name is lifted up. That name is lifted up, but not your name. When your name becomes more important than Jesus' name, you've gone down the wrong road. You've gone to Babel. And so the name of Jesus needs to be the highest name lifted up. And so we find out here that now we have the descendants that are laid out uh, from, from Shem that goes all the way to Abraham. And this is chapter chapter 12. So Here's, here's the connection. we got to have this connection here. I, my page keeps turning on me. It's driving me crazy because the fan is on. So uh, here's what's going on. We have, um, we have at the Tower of Babel, Jesus confuses the languages. He sets up a linguistic barrier and he spreads them out. And then the very next chapter after going through the descendants of Shem and and, uh, Terah's descendants, he comes to Abraham and he selects a new people for himself. And where does he take them from? He takes that person, Abraham, right out of that same place, right out of his country. And he says, I'm going to bring you to a new place. So from right out of the rebellion, he calls someone. And isn't that just like what he does for us? Right out of the rebellion, right out of our rebellion, right out of our sin, right out of our chaos, he calls us out to a new land, to a new place, to a new to a new name, which is Jesus Christ. And so Deuteronomy 32, 
and we're going to get there uh, eventually, but I'm going to have to skip ahead right now because this is um, speaking directly to this, and I don't want you to miss the connection. So right here in Deuteronomy 32, um, we're going to go down to uh, uh, verse 8. Because it's it's talking, it says, um, I'll start at seven. Remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations, ask your father and he will show you, your elders and they will tell you. So th they're talking uh, to um, uh, the songs of Moses. He's, he's telling them to, uh, they know all about this, so make sure that you ask. When the most high gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind... He fixed the borders of the peoples. So there's a couple of things going on here. So when the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, he, uh, he, by the nations, he divided them. He divided them by their languages and he fixed their borders of the people. He did that with the languages and they, they, they spread from there. And they got their inheritance. And, and here he continues. According to... He fixed the borders of the people according to the number of the sons of God. That's Elohim, Elohim, the sons of God. But the Lord's portion in his people, Jacob, his allotted heritage. So he gave to the nations their inheritance. What did he give them? He gave each one an Elohim because they wanted, they, they rebelled spiritually in worship they rebelled in worship against god and he said if you want don't want to worship me i will give you an elohim to worship and so these these uh higher angels or lower gods little g if you want created beings created divine beings he allotted them according he allotted the nations and the languages according to the number of the sons of god so um, we can come to that number, we can do some counting, uh, but it, it's, it's, uh, just to give you the short answer, when Jesus sent out the disciples, not the 12, when he sent out that number of disciples, how many did he send out? So 72 is that number. Some say 70, some say 72. So wherever that land lies. So now if we go back to um, back to the Tower of Babel, excuse me, before that, if we go back to the descendants and all of the, all of the people named in, in the nations descended from Noah, all of these nation names in chapter 10, you come to, depending on how you divide them up, one being maybe a sub-nation of another, you'll get 70 or 72. So uh, when he divided those languages, he divided those Elohim, and maybe those languages were a little similar, but, but they still had the 70 or 72 sons of God that, they, that were in charge of them, that had authority over each nation. Now, you want to read the Bible now, understanding that these lesser elohim had authority over each divine over each nation each of these nations and now they rebel also rebel against god 
these lesser Elohim are basically followers, become followers of of the devil uh, and, and, and Lucifer, and they are working against God, okay? And that brings us to 12, where God le- leaves them off to themselves, and he says, I'm going to start the redemption process for the entire world with another people. I'm going to raise up another nation, a separate nation. And that's what 32 says, his allotment, his portion, God's portion, Yahweh's portion was Jacob, starting with Abraham. So, uh, because Jacob became Israel. So, we understand uh, this from from there and all the other nations now uh, have the leadership of the rebelling Elohim. That's going to change a lot of how you look at the Old Testament, why things are done, the geographic uh, spiritual battle that goes on becomes much clearer when you understand this foundational teaching. I don't know even know how much time I've taken, so we're getting close. So uh, as we get to 13, we got a- Abraham and Lot. We got uh, Abraham Sari in Egypt. Abraham rescues Lot, and God comes in 15 and gives a covenant to Abraham. And so this is where I want to go. And this is going to be the last thing we're going to talk about in this episode. After these things, listen to this. The word of the Lord came to Abram. Remember John 1.1, this foundational truth, this key to unlocking the Old Testament in the New Testament. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God at the beginning. He created all things. So this After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham. Jesus appeared to Abraham in a vision. So fear not, Abram. I am your shield and your your reward shall be very great. So we say, okay, well, he appeared to him in a vision. Maybe he's just getting words. Maybe the vision is words. Well, listen to this down at verse 5. And he, the word brought him outside and said, look toward the heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, who he? The word said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord. Now this is Abraham. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. So Jesus appeared to Abraham. Jesus led him outside. Jesus pointed to the stars and he told him that his descendants would be like the numbers of the stars. What Abraham didn't know, Abram didn't know at the time, was that Jesus was talking to him both about his physical descendants and his spiritual descendants. And we, if we know Jesus as Lord and Savior, are the spiritual seed of Abraham as well. And he believed the Lord, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Jesus had not even gone to the cross yet. Jesus had not paid the penalty for sin. And yet, the belief of Abram was counted to him as righteousness because he'd seen the word, he'd listened to the word, and he believed the word. Well... I hope you have enjoyed that. Packed it all in. 
to 32 minutes. Can you believe that? That was thick. I can't wait to get you to the New Testament tomorrow because it's even greater stuff. It's cooler stuff. It just keeps on coming. So keep coming out for Wake Up to the Word. And we are just having a great time. And I hope that you will come join. Tune in again tomorrow. Tell your friends, wakeuptotheword.org or Spotify, Wake Up to the Word. And they too can hear the Bible revealed to them, maybe for the very first time. Bye-bye.